Yo, what up, what up? From Hypebeast Radio, I'm Manning, and this is Mike Line, a show that looks to discover the origin story of your favorite artist or major player in the music industry. We ask the questions that you always wanted to get answered, and you never know who may pop by. For this episode of Mike Line, we talked to Mr. Easy about starting out as a party promoter before becoming an artist, the future of Afrobeat, lack of resources in the music industry in Africa, and so much more. Welcome to Mike Line. Welcome to my Line. Definitely, definitely excited for this episode because I've been a fan of yours, I want to say, since like a good amount of years now. Mm. I want to let you introduce yourself. Yo, my name is Mr. Easy. Right now, I like to call myself Don Easy. <laughs> um, we are in a very cozy uh, hotel. It's not um, really cozy. It's nice. I, it's <laughs> I'm, look. This is a very very cozy hotel. Um, and what's this? Flat Iron, I guess. Flat Iron, Flat Iron. Like Same around area Chelsea. in New York area. Chelsea, Flat Iron area. One what you was talking about. So I say I definitely want to talk about because I never. There's rarely artists who are like I see this festival is happening. I want to invest in it and become a partner with it yeah. in the business side. I guess what sparked the interest of doing that. Um, and can you name the festival as well? I think majorly first because um, I started out as a promoter. So mm. that's how I got into like being an artist. Wow. Because I was a promoter in uni. So me and my manager, we were like competitors. And then we started doing events together. And we booked like Bonaboy in 09, 010, Juan de Davido. Just like Sakodier, R2B, it's like artists between Nigeria and Ghana, just because we were promoters, and that's how I came in. So it's like old habits don't die hard, mm-hmm. you know. It's like because not only was it business to me, it was fun. Mm-hmm. So it's like I want to be there. So I sponsor, we invest in some a lot of our shows. We go out there, we book the venue, which we promote it. It's like it's in our blood. And also, it's good. It's good business, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. what's what is the mu- What is the business music scene in Nigeria or just in Africa in general? What is it like? Is it like cutthroat? Is it like chill? Is it like collaborative? <sighs> I think it's like it's like every other business anywhere <laughs> in the world. In in that business, is just sharks and have to be smart. Mm-hmm. And like everywhere in the world, um, and it's big business. Mm-hmm. So. You know, there's a lot of people involved. There's a lot of fast, fast movement. You can't be moving too slow. You know, you gotta know people, friends with people, just like every other business. It's big music, entertainment is like right now is one of the biggest exports. You know, out of Nigeria, out of Africa, mm-hmm. with Nollywood, Gollywood, then you get to the music, the fashion. You know, so it's pretty intense. What was, I guess, I'm thinking back um, to you being a promoter, because I, I did not know this. When you were a promoter, what sparked the change to switch sides to become the artist? And was it intimidating, I guess, in that in the beginning? Uh, to be honest, I was looking for a new hobby. Because, mm. like, I was bored doing parties every weekend. And then when I stopped doing parties, I would still go to parties. And because I had the reputation, I would then, like, have to pop bottles. And I was just wasting money. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I got broke. 
So I'm like, you know, I need to find a good thing to do on Friday night. <laughs> and my housemates were rappers, producers. And so I just go with them to the studio. And it was still a hobby. But some of my songs will start to pop in the unison. And when I then have parties, I'll play it. And me and my friends will just jump around and say, like, only us will know it. And we'll rave to it. And everybody will be looking like, what song is this? Mm-hmm. Um when I was doing my master's, I was involved in some business and that would put a lot of pressure on me. So I needed an escape. Mm. And I didn't have no hobbies. I didn't like play games or play football. So that took me back into the studio to mm. record and I put out my first mixtape uh, just as a joke thing. Mm. You know, I'm fast forward to 20, 2015 December, my friends would come together to. In fact, from July to December, they will come together to fund, I think, like three videos back to back to back just to convince me, like, this thing can happen and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll put some digital marketing on it. And before you know it, it'll start to pop off. March of 2016, I'll go to the UK, tour, do five gigs, make some money, put all the money back, make videos, come back in July. That's when I played that festival, Ghana Party in the Park. Mm-hmm. That's what it was called. And then I did my own headline show. I paid for the venue by myself. Mm. Did all the promotion, you know. And at that point, right after, when I came out to see the audience, that's it was at that point I decided I'm going to be a musician. Like, July 22nd, 2016. Wow. Like, as I came out and saw those lights on, I'm like, jeez, <laughs> I want this, you know. Mm. Um and all happened, the two the two events happened in the space of five days. So it was so much whilst I was just recovering from the festival, mm-hmm. which is the next one. And so it wasn't it was intimidating because even when I, you know, because like I already now knew, I knew I had an audience. I knew people would pay to come watch me. And I was already getting views on YouTube, on streaming platforms. I was getting enough money to put back into my music so at that point i knew like this thing is self-sustaining so yeah it was a no-brainer what um when i meant intimidating i meant you initially just actually physically recording yourself for the first time like how was did someone be like yo i think you could just try it out or did you just like no it was more i think the first one was a bet you know mm. the first time i recorded was because i was there and i was telling my friend i was like i think you should sing it this way don't sing it that way sing it this way because i know music like i've been in like primary school choir with the girls and then church choir because my mom used to teach sunday school so mm-hmm. we'll join the choir so like i i learned a little of the keyboard like i could play basic chords on c i have an understanding of music from from all of that experience so i was telling him you you have to sing it like this you have to the backing vocals have to sound like this and he's like what do you know about music? You're a promoter. <laughs> if you can do it, why don't you come in the booth and do it by yourself? And Kwame Keys, the engineer, was like, Tosin. I was like, yo, Tosin, just go and show him how. And I went there and I did it and everybody was like, wow. And it just started from there. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah. It was the, what was the date? It was the 22nd of? Yeah, 22nd of July. July of 2016. Yeah. If that was a date you was like, I want this. When was the, the time where you were like, okay, this is like my job. Like, this is 100%. Yeah, that was the day that I was, was the day like, for every- this is, that was the day for everything. What changed then? 
Like, what made me decide to do that? Oh, but, I mean, what changed after? Like, I guess now that you decided it, did you were like, okay, cut off everything? Nah, I, I, I stepped out. I had a tech startup that sold, that traded in uh, phones, mm. um, pre-owned phones. Mm. And so I had to step out of that, go back, tell my investors that, yo, I'm sorry, man. I'm moving on. Mm. And obviously lose my shares there because the vesting period had not expired mm-hmm. um and so once that was done and tell my dad because i'd even my, my parents had even given me a deadline because mm. like i was pushing the business and they're like oh if by the end of this year the business doesn't scale to this level which it had st- everything started to scale at the same time so going back to tell my dad that you know what it's not the business is working now but that's not what i'm doing it's the music i'm doing oh wow you know so it was just that but nobody could like Nobody really questioned me and said, don't do music or mm. are you sure this is not what, this is what you want to do? Mm. They just believed that, yo, for me to say that's what I want to do, yeah. it means I know that's what I want to do. Yeah. You know. When would you say is your, your first big break? Mm. Depends, I'd say. I'd say it was like Bankulize, you know. When I put out the video for Bankulize, mm. uh, I won't even say the video when I think everything sort of changed when Jules, the producer Jules, hit me up on Twitter to tell me, "Yo, I want to work with you. Let me remix your records." Because mm. at that time, I was en route switching off from even doing music as a hobby. Because mm. shit was getting serious with my corporate life. I was dealing with multinationals. Oh wow! Yeah, I was dealing with the biggest carrier in in Africa, MTN, and I had to open twenty stores i had to operate in 20 stores across nigeria mm-hmm. so like shit was definitely getting serious um and that was when he hit me up so i remember even the artwork me telling him yo go get the artwork done and he'll send it to me i like correct it do this and you know he got the feature papi kojo on the remix and i'd be like yeah i don't like it arrange it like this do it like that he became like like he was working for me or something <laughs> but it wasn't I think that was the break because if he had never hit me up, maybe all of this would have the f- the following wouldn't have like happened. Yeah, and I think timing is also great because music coming out of Africa, Afrobeat, what they kind of done everything. It's um, it's finally I want to say becoming not commercial, but it's breaking out of just uh, of Africa, yeah. where it's not like um, you hear one song. And then it disappears, or you hear a clip of something, and it's there and gone. But now it's yeah. like it's charting outside yeah. of Africa. It's indefinitely being played in clubs. I've seen more Afrobeat parties than I ever had before yeah. in my life. Um, a lot of the culture people are now visiting and trying to get like recreate the sound. Yeah. So, do you think you're at a there's a place now where African artists can now become international superstars because you've been big in Africa for a few years. Yeah. Um, but now it feels like, yo, this is like a legion of, uh, uh, or not a legion, a good amount of um, African-based artists making international noise. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, once, once you're a star in Africa, mm-hmm. Your star globally mm. because like we're everywhere if you have a hot song if you have three hot songs in nigeria 
there's almost no country in the world you can't play. You could play, maybe it's 200, 300, five, 500. You could play every major city. Mm-hmm. There's no Nigerian A, B list artist that can't play around the world. Mm-hmm. So immediately you have two, three records. In fact, depending, you might just have one record. With just one record, you could at least play clubs in every major city in the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that means you could tour the world from get-go. Mm-hmm. You know, so I feel like, just like you rightly said, the the difference is, like, a couple years ago, you know, African artists will come, will travel around the world and tour. And when they tour, they will tour to a purely African audience mm-hmm. or, or an audience that are just from their country. Mm-hmm. And then they'll leave. And so if you're not from that community, you won't even know exactly that this happened. But now it's... It's gone beyond when I come out to my concert. It's not just, I can't just be, I can say Nigerian jokes alone because it's not just Nigerians. It's Nigerians, Ghanaians. Like I've been to one of my concerts in Vancouver and I was like wondering who the artists came for, who the fans came for. I was once in Bristol and I was outside the venue and I was asking the girls, I was like, who are you here to watch? Because <laughs> like a bunch of like European girls. Yeah. And I'm like, why you? I thought there was another because there was two venues in one. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Who's the other guy playing? Who are you guys here to watch?" And they like, "Oh, we're here to watch Mr. Easy." And they're like, "Whoa!" When they start screaming, so obviously he's extending. Yeah, and it's exciting. This is an exciting time. It was like this, like between Few Sodigi and the band, the band with Oliver Twist and you know Few Sodigi. Few Sodigi went up to have. I think at some point he was. He had a couple top 10 mm-hmm. in the UK official chart. Mm-hmm. And the band picked that number four in the UK with Oliver Twist. Mm-hmm. None of that is happening right now. There's no actual Afropop record mm-hmm. that's banging in Africa and banging that is on the charts there. But as chart aside, it's now, you know, sipping in. Like there's no there's no club there's almost no club you can enter without hearing at least one exactly in the DJ set so exactly. it's an exciting time yeah to play and I feel everything will come full circle in yeah. the next three four five hundred percent and yeah. I think you're part of the generation that's going to make I guess break the barrier of the charts because the music is just so unique and also just straightforward so good yeah it's just that come on who you're not gonna dance to this yeah. like you know. Like, you just feel it, and it's just, I'm seeing it more and more where I can go to a um, a Burning Boy show, and it's not just Nigerians, it's people from Ghana, it's people from all throughout Africa, and yeah. also all throughout just um, Afri- just black people in, yeah. from the States and yeah. UK here, yeah. then also different other races. Yeah. Like, um, it was just interesting to see, and it was at the Apollo, and it's like, wow, this is actually happening. Yeah. Like, this is something that's happening and it's yeah. going to happen. Um, do you ever see a Nigerian record becoming, like, a top 10 hit on the chart? Yeah, definitely. Like, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, if that's all people... If people are dancing to it in clubs and people are playing it in their cars and in shopping centers all around the world, you're hearing it and it's on radio, it's on urban radio. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's only it's only a matter of time. Yeah. It will happen, you know, so, yeah. Do you think the surge of music is happening because of, one, the quality of music is better or because it's more accessible because of the internet? Um, I, I'd say it's two things, you know. 
the quality has always been so good. Yeah. It's always been so good. So it's definitely not the quality, to mm. be honest. I'd say it's two things. It's one, the internet has made the world a small place. So, like, obviously, um, it's it's traveling easier. Like, Instagram is the TV for Afrobeats because <laughs> you have all the dancers dancing to it. And then those it's going viral. And all the DJs making Avengers remix. You know, you have... From Instagram, you spot the dancer. Next thing you have, you know, Sherry Silver, mm-hmm. you know, choreographing This Is America. Mm-hmm. And you have Donald Glover dancing Guara Guara in, in a song that's called This Is America. Mm-hmm. And she's doing choreography for everyone from Lady Gaga to, to the Kardashians. And, you know, you have Janet Jackson in her dance routine doing the quaba mm-hmm. you know it's all from social media mm-hmm. and then too there's just a general quality in you know there's there's a wave of very successful african kids mm-hmm. in every field and you know and wow and uh, op- unapologetically african mm-hmm. you know and so they bring the culture to the office again the office when they control the playlist they're playing african music mm-hmm. when they get into a club they go pay the DJ or send him a bottle and say, I want to hear this song, this song, this song. They're playing loud in their cars. Mm-hmm. And it's not hip-hop. It's Afrobeat. You know, that's what's happening. It's like the internet. And then there's just successful Africans popping up everywhere and bringing along, you know, the culture. Like I saw something today. I saw Nikki post up like a video of her challenge and this Nigerian family was doing everything. <laughs> It was beautiful and it was hilarious yeah. as well, but it largely shows you that's the internet right there. Yeah. I definitely, as uh, me, I'm Nigerian myself, so I'm definitely, it's amazing. It's, I guess I have a multi- multitude of feelings because growing up in Nigeria in America, like, and seeing how everything is being celebrated and embraced now, it's, I'm, one, I'm happy because it's like, this is what should have been, this is what should be happening. Yeah. Um, since the beginning and then another part of me is like it's ironic because it was like before i guess it was uncool yeah or it was just something it was just like put to the side as niche and then another part of me is like is this good um of course it's good but it's just me just um being a pessimistic <laughs> being pessimistic um but i definitely see like the change in image of or i guess uh, of african culture and africa in general where there's people now flooding to ghana yeah. for Afrochella. Um yeah. have you seen it and like uh, on your end what are some of your thoughts when you see like um people from the states people from the U- I guess people are always from the UK but um have a, a better connection with um Africa than us um, but people all around the world are now trying to go to Africa and yeah. soak up culture and music and now that's like um I guess the thing that's cool You know I, I always say success Success is like the most powerful magnet. Mm-hmm. You look at a kid who you will never fuck with because he's, you know, he's dressed like a masquerade. And then you see him shut down a venue of 20,000 people mm-hmm. and you suddenly want to fuck with him because it's success, you know, and it's the, that's what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. The success of Africans around the world and Africans in Africa. Yeah. You know, and because we're successful, now we don't need to hide. You know, I the other day I had a meeting and I walked into the meeting with very sm- very tight shorts. Mm-hmm. 
like almost bomb shorts ish like shorts i should only be using to swim <laughs> and like a, a jumper and i i, I did a, like i did that boldly and i walked in there to talk like big money the only reason i'm confidently doing that is i'm successful and so now if i feel like i want to wear swimming shorts so i feel like i want to wear pajamas i'm gonna wear pajamas so that's what's happening and that's what's helping people to be proud of where they are mm. because now there's multiple success stories that it then makes you cool you know it's then cool to be african you don't want to change your accent now you know i've been in parties where you know a lot of girls are talking to me and they're like yo i love your accent and my friend who's not african who's american is telling me yo easy teaching me how to talk nigerian <laughs> it's like that's what's bringing the girls that's yeah. the girls magnet <laughs> you know yeah. that's what it is so culturally as a people there's africa rising it's not just talk it's real africa is rising everywhere and it's gonna affect culture I guess I'm, one thing I'm waiting to see is a, a huge festival start in Africa. Somewhere, one is African artists as headliners, but yeah. it's like international. Like, yeah. a, what, like a Coachella, f not to that degree, but like a Primavera yeah. uh, type festival in Africa. Is there something that's like that now, or is there, do you think it, it was something that can develop? You know, it's, it's like the, a lot of things that you know affect all of that, like immigration rules. Mm -hmm ease of travel like even me like to travel across africa is like a headache mm. you know oh are you gonna get your visas but as things are getting better doors are opening it will come to that point like for two years i've been doing dirty rave in in ghana which is just a rave mm. like five to seven thousand people last year i brought gigs from the uk to perform mm. A snake bow from the UK to perform. This year, I'm bringing, I've not announced yet, but I'm bringing like loads of more international artists to, to come back. So, and I'm partnering Afrochella again to support them for the festival. Oh, nice. And then on the 30th, we're coming together to do like a block party, like block off one of the busiest streets in Accra. Mm. Just put up stage, lights, drinks, food, and just jam. Nice. Free. And you know the amount of people like you meet saying, oh, I'm going to Ghana for December. You even have big companies like coming to invest mm. in life. So it's definitely going to get there. Nice. It's going to get there. Like, just think about it. Why do people go to Ibiza? It's because it's cultural mm -hmm. to go there and just chill. So who knows? What, uh, what are you working on music-wise? uh music wise i i think i just started working on a project mm. i think i started working on my new project so the first record on there is um supernova which mm -hmm. i just dropped mm -hmm. and how i know is like when i'm about to do a project i drop the most easy song when i mean easy it's like um when i make music with e kelly it's like most times it's like i'm lying down or i'm chilling mm. and we never done a record in a studio. It's like it's either I'm I'm like this on the bed recording. Mm. So leg over leg over I was just lounging on the couch and holding the mic like this with the wires connected <laughs> and I recorded it. <laughs> and the same thing with Pommy Water. I was actually sleeping and he woke me up on the couch as well in the room. <laughs> you know, and Supernova I recorded in Guilty's bedroom. You know, I was just sitting at the edge of the bed mm -hmm. and recorded. And it's produced by E. Kelly, co-produced yeah. by Trace Call. So when I start that, 
when I'm that comfortable in my head to do that, then I know it's time to do a new project. But this time I'm doing a different approach. And what I'm just going to do is drop a bunch of singles. And so I'm working singles and then look back at the singles and where I am at some point and then pick the records from the singles that go with what I'm trying to explain mm -hmm. and the new records that are unreleased that within the same um, atmosphere and put it together as an album. So that's what I'm trying to do. But, you know, the last two have been like Accra to Lagos, Lagos to London. Yeah. This one, I feel, is going to be more, you know, multiple destinations because like musically i'm kind of everywhere right now I'm, you know i'm everywhere so i want to be even like in my mind i'm everywhere like there's not one thing i can point to that is inspiring me right now it's just multiple and i want to express that mm. musically i love 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 the record you did with jay balvin and bad yeah. bunny tell me about making that and how'd y'all even meet i went i went out to I was booked for a festival called Stoner Festival mm -hmm. last year, summer. And then this reporter, she, her name is, I think her name is Sarah Rossetti. She's Argentine. So she comes, we have the interview in the room with me, my manager, and herself. And after the interview, she then starts to ask me, she's like, do you know any Spanish music? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> And so, but I knew, dun, 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 dun. so I said, the only Spanish music I know is that and Despacito. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, no, that's, that's not, I think it was even, yeah, I think it, it might have been only Despacito, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, 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 you don't know Spanish music. And then she starts introducing me to Spanish music for like an hour after interview. She's telling me this one is from Argentina. This one is from Costa Rica. And my head is just blown away. And then she tells me that there's this girl who's going to blow up in the next six months. Mm. Her name is Rosalia. Wow. And so she takes me. So I'm like, okay, what are you doing? She's like, she's going to cover the festival. And I'm like, can we link up at the festival? Because she, she came to cover me playing because it was an African stage at Sonar Festival, mm -hmm. curated by Diplo. Mm -hmm. And so we went to watch. Unfortunately, I couldn't see Rosalia because we were performing at the same time. Mm. I think my stage was even bigger at the time. So after the event, she then introduces me to Rosa Rosalia. Wow. And then me, Rosalia, her manager, Diplo, we all have dinner. And then I become friends with Rosalia. And Rosalia then introduces me to more Spanish music. I'm then studio with listen to rosalia's records unreleased records like everything she's been putting out i heard i heard it then <laughs> that's she's, crazy yeah, she was making the album to the point where like i got so into spanish music i was then working my good friend he's president of colombia mm -hmm. in uh the uk i then took rosalia's music her old music to him i'm like this girl is gonna blow up and then she then go on the radar be like a couple months later he's calling me to say you were trying to sign <laughs> rosalia can you put it can you put in good word but what that did for me is just i just delved into that world yeah and one of the people that stuck to me was jibalvin because of his aesthetics yeah and i was like this is what i want to this is the kind of artist i want to become visually mm -hmm. and so i go out to haiti I go play a show in Haiti. I meet Michael Braun, producer from Haiti, producer DJ. He comes to my room. 
we record three ideas in like 20 minutes mm-hmm. one of the ideas he plays to the like the following week he had a session with balvin plays it to balvin balvin loves it and it's like who's this artist and he plays Balvin all my music and two weeks later I see Balvin dancing to a record from my old mixtape on his jet and then I DM him I'm like yo blessings and we link up and we become friends like genuine just friends nice. like just chatting laughing he would laugh at my jokes or my stories the same thing and he was going on tour and I just casually said you know what I'd like to come on tour with you and it's like say no more next thing managers are talking myself and michael brown were opening for him on his store late last year mm-hmm. and that tour really just exposed I, I just saw how big it was in america and that was the first time i was opening for anybody period mm-hmm. and that was the first time i was performing to an audience that don't know me remember like i was spoiled in the beginning yeah. so it was humbling for me like it had crazy effect on my mind because mm-hmm. like you almost feel like nothing because you can't sing and just put your hands out and they're singing back, mm-hmm. you know. But them fans showed love. And so we just type whilst on tour, trading music on WhatsApp, ideas, and uh, one of the, when they wanted to put out the project, he flew me out to Miami to finish some other song we were making. Mm. And whilst I was there with Sky, shout out to Sky, we I played that record. And Sky was like, yo, I love this record. And I didn't even know Balvin and Bad Bunny were working on something. Mm. And so long story short, hit up Legendary Beats. We bounce back and forth. I'm just there and Balvin just sends me the record with Bad Bunny's verse. Mm. In the space of like one week, the record was done. The record was released. So that's crazy yeah, it's fabulous man. <laughs> and then that's what inducted into you to the latino gang straight up latino <laughs> gang he was telling me like i sent him a record yesterday and he was listening to it and i was like yo this is like your vibe right? this is like a banu vibe you know he was like bro you're i was like i'm trying to join the latino gang he's like are you crazy you're in the latino gang you are latino gang i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> and then at the same time when i saw your instagram i thought it was fun you used to put african billionaire yeah and um was that a goal for you to be a billionaire yeah i've always you know i've always my sister my big sister gave me this book on my birthday i think when i was like 14 15 it was john d rockefeller and then there was this thing it was called the titan and there was this thing where he says it is his destiny to make wealth mm-hmm. like me just hearing that just i'm just like Christ, how can this guy say it's his destiny to make world? And like that stuck to me. And ever since, and I feel that was what made me, I always wanted to be financially independent, mm-hmm. you know. And if I didn't do music, you see, I was already like doing business. So, yeah. As, I guess, do you see yourself after? I guess I want to say, I don't want to say after the music because uh, artists is just never, there's never such thing as retirement with artists. You just create when you have inspiration. Yeah. But do you eventually see yourself like becoming more business dominant or where it's like, all right, I'm trying to either own a label or at yeah. some, at like, at a major or get into tech or yeah. stuff like that? So that's, you know what? You know what the thing is. The thing is, like my friend Cheyenne from Toronto, mm-hmm. just before I went to the just before I went to the UK to play the show that made me decide I was gonna do music. She too, like she had always been telling me, you need to do this music, and I was like, nah, this is not gonna get me to my goal of being like super financially independent and touch a million lives. Like mm. this is not how I become the billionaire I think I'm meant to be. 
And so she sent me this book on my birthday, July 19th. It was about Jay-Z. It was a small book, Purple. Mm. And it was like written about Jay-Z. And it like, it just blew my mind as I could see him transcend from getting into music at 26 and to where he was as at 2016. And so I, I kind of just started to want to be like that you know and so i just came so i came into the game with that mindset like you i'm trying to be you know africa's jay-z you know and um that's why and i didn't want to start a label and so that's why i started empower africa which is on one side i'm doing what i really want to do i want to be i I want like i want to get money and give it out you know so on one side i'm funding african artists Mm -hmm. with videos Last year, I put in over a million dollars just funding non-recoup, like non-recoup. Just shoot your video, market it. It's on the Empower YouTube channel. All the revenue goes to you. Not a cent comes to <laughs> to me. And then it ended up just blowing up mm. and becoming a feeder program for my labor services company. So there's Empower Foundation and then there's Empower Labor Services. And just like i did just like they did in the vc world where they fund you and get equity i picked two artists from the hundred mm. and i funded and we have 80 20 deals with them 80 to them 20 to them we offer labor services from management to publishing admin to mm. licensing we don't own anything we just aggregate you know so and i think it's the brand in the past since january to now it's been crazy we've had those two artists have become huge success stories joe boy with one single over 5.1 million views is charting in like three four african countries mm. instantly jadorobi is one of the biggest dancer is the most exciting dancer artist out of ghana right now Popcorn jumped on his remix from his first record. Mm. He's played a concert of 15,000 capacity. And, uh, you know, we everybody singing his song. You know, and it's just how do I build that? We manage legendary beats. And now they're on the record with J Balvin. Full production produced by them. In the coming months, you'd hear some crazy shit about Guilty and his exploits. E. Kelly has a top 10 record in France. Mm. You know, so it's just building. So I guess that's how it's going to be. You know, Jay-Z still put out an album when, and he's, what, almost 50, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. Is there, like, an infrastructure in the African music industry where it's, like, an either there's, like, a major companies that can help an artist, or is there, like, infrastructure just, like, are there radio stations, huge radio market? Is there big independent structure where you can survive? Or is it still just, is it still, like, formalizing? or You know, in Africa, it's ni- 99.9% of artists are independent. Yeah. Because there's no structure. Like, you have to deep that Africa has 54 countries. Mm-hmm. And within these 54 countries, there's Anglophone countries, there's Francophone countries, Lusophone countries, and then the Swahili speaking. Mm-hmm. I'm not even talking about North America. You know, so, and everybody has their own structure radio the own mtv shown in east africa is different from mtv shown that's all about yeah like everybody's shown a different f- feed so even cross continental exportation of music is even hard as it is you might have an artist who is filling up a 50 cap stadium in congo but he can't do a 200 capacity paid event in ghana mm. 
you know, because we're not even getting exposed. So there's, there's almost no structure. There's no publishing structure. Mm. There's no prop. There's, there's no labor services company in Africa. Not one, you know, so there's the need to start building all of this, you know, and that's what Empower is trying to do. I'm trying to build that ecosystem. Mm -hmm. It's like build the ecosystem. And when you build the ecosystem, you're going to eat. You're going to break bread ultimately. And if you don't build the, if I don't build the ecosystem, someone else will build the ecosystem at a premium and sell back to me. Mm -hmm. Just like somebody will go back to Africa and buy something and bring it, take it to the, the factory somewhere else in the world and refine it. Not like refine it even better than it would have been refined in Africa, but just refine it at scale and send it back to Africa. The same shit that's supposed to be sold for a dollar, we would buy it back for $100. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to be the same for music, you know. Because I would have to buy it for $100. So forget, it's not just me being charitable. It's me because of me. Yeah. You know, I don't want to have to be paying a company to service my records across Africa for some crazy price or do marketing for me for some crazy price. So I might as well just build it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess outside of music, what are some of your interests? What are some of the hobbies you like to do? Um... I like to travel. I like. I've been. I've been looking for a hobby for a long time. What's your favorite place that you visited? Um, I recently went to Palma in Spain, mm. and I just loved it. Nice. I was like, "Geez, I need to move here." And there was this hotel that was like in a cave. Oh, I was wow. staying in. It was just pretty cool. The architecture. I was like, "Am I in North Africa or mm. am I in?" in spain yeah you know that's one of my favorite places so like i want to travel the world like looking for an excuse to mm. like go everywhere i feel like that's my real that's that's like my real hobby right now what's the place you haven't been to that you you want to go to tokyo mm. i want to go like i want to go tokyo so bad i've been you know i've been wanting to go to tokyo and i also want to go moscow oh, moscow know? i don't know man <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, I want to go to Moscow. Like, and every time, uh, it's, it's so funny. Every time I watch CNN and they're talking about Russia, I'm like, damn, I want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> you want to shoot AK? It's like, no, it's like, it's some, it's some like bad guy, you know, you know, the movies, yeah. you see the bad guys are from Russia and like, it's like, I want to go see, maybe everybody's actually a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, big debate I always get into, and it's coming up pretty much because uh, I feel like it. That just someone just had a contest. Who has the best jollof rice? <laughs> Yo, I don't <laughs> even know, man. <laughs> when when I eat my mom's jollof, is the best. That's one. what I always say too. You know, my mom's jollof is the best one. I think it was in DC that had a. Uh, yeah, I see rice. they had like, yeah. and there and were judges and yeah, and I think that's so. unfair because like it depends on who's cooking. Yeah, exactly. It depends on who's cooking. And so somebody from Sierra Leone uh, made uh, one, and I was just like, "Oh, that's a curveball." Did not yeah, expect I that. Never, I never eaten jello from Sierra Leone. Just Ghana and Nigeria. Mm. Yeah. Um, if you could work with anyone um, now, who would that person be that you haven't worked with? Um. Uh, I really want to work with BTS mm. because there's this song they have. It's called Idol. Yeah, 
And when I hear that song, I'm like, there's a part in that song that sounds like gum. Mm. Like the drums. Like if you took that part and you loop it and I played a different chord progression, we could have like an Afrobeat banger. <laughs> <laughs> we could have like a guilty beat produced banger. <laughs> you know, so I want to work with them. I was trying to, I actually was trying to get them on open and close remix. Wow. Um, or the actual song, but it was going to take long and I just wanted to drop the mixtape. So mm-hmm. now that I'm back to, you know, recording and I want to make this this project, I want to make sure it's like everybody from everywhere. Yeah. I, I want it to reflect me as a traveler. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try and make that happen. The K-pop is so interesting to me because um, it's such a frenzy. It's just mm-hmm. like BTS... They drop anything, and yeah. it's just like <laughs> trending. Oh, it's so interesting to me. Um, and but the music's good. Yeah, the music is really good. So I always just like, and I never just never seen like I never growing up. I just never could see like a band or a boy band that yeah. big. Yeah, you know, and it just be like I thought like them Westlife because like when I was growing up, woo, it was Westlife Backstreet Boys. Mm-hmm. Like you needed yeah. to see me. Like oh god. <laughs> like I could like see five people, but I think BTS has what seven, seven people, six, seven. I'm like I just can't. I just was like, how does this work? But it works, and it works so well. Yeah, uh, you know, and like like recently, I've been seeing, I've been seeing a lot, getting a lot of love from like in the past seven months from Asia. Mm. I was put, I was built to play at some festival. Why I think it's. YG something or mm-hmm. YS something in December last year you know mm-hmm. I was built to and when I looked it up I'm like this is a big festival and the pay was very big as well so I was like huh and then for instance Japan has been popping up on my Apple Music number 10 mm-hmm. streaming city I'm like how random is that yeah and I've been seeing like all these dance videos for the Aquaba record mm-hmm. from like different parts of Korea and all these dancers tagging me, you know, so I'm like, okay, I always wanted to go to, to go there and last year I got introduced to BTS mm. by um, someone on their A&R team mm. who hit me up. Uh, they had my stuff from Diplo, you know, and so it's like the dots are just connecting. Maybe it will be like, you know, <laughs> like uh, what happened with Balvin and Bad Bunny. Yeah. I just see that happening to me every time. I think about something and then I just see it yeah. start happening. So uh, hopefully it does. Yeah. Final question. Um we always ask if you could if there was a young artist in Africa right now and they're asking you, Hey, Mr. Easy, what can I do to become you or be, just make it or become a big star or just, you know, and make it in the music industry, what advice would you give them? Just be you and her. Like, just be you and be the hardest you as possible. Be unapologetically you and just go hard. Eat, sleep, breathe you. Like, that's just it. Because, like, that's the only thing that... First, first they'll laugh at you and say you're weird. And then they'll turn around and say, oh, you're cool. And then it's like, yo, you're the shit. So that's what I'll just say. Nice. If you If you believe you got talent. And some people who are not your friends believe you've got talent. Then just... If I, your friends don't even need to... Nobody even needs to validate you. Because mm-hmm. there's some stuff I've heard and say, yo, this is whack. I think it's whack. 
people, the people in the world feeling it. Whatever you create, there's somebody somewhere in the world who's gonna love it. Like people love horror movies. Like I don't, I cannot watch two minutes. Like why would I watch people killing people? Like <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. And scary movies. I never understood. If you're Nigerian, you know them Ayama Tanga and all those like mm. back in the day Mount Zion <laughs> movies. Like I will not be able to sleep. But people enjoy watching that. Mm-hmm. So that just shows you that no matter what you do in life, there will always be someone who's feeling it. So just do you and yeah. Nice. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, blessings, it. Well, that's today's episode of Mike Line, and thanks for tuning in. You can listen to more episodes of Mike Line and everything Hypebeast Radio at hypebeast.com slash radio. Subscribe to Mike Line on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at ECM underscore LP and follow Hypebeast Music for more original content. Let us know who you like to have on the show, and thank you for listening to Mike Line.